Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. This morning we are resuming our study in the Gospel according to Matthew. We're ready for chapter 23 today. Now the previous couple of chapters, previous couple of weeks, Jesus has been going back and forth with the Pharisees. They've been trying to entrap him uh, with, you know, trickery and conversation. Uh, He's continued to tell parables uh, that have insulted them uh, because it talks about uh, their situation. How the kingdom of God is being taken away from them. How it's going to be given to a nation who's going to bear fruit and to have faith. Um, and he told, we went covered a couple of parables uh, speaking on that. He's still in the midst of the conversation, except he's going to take the insult, if you will, to a new level. What we have here in chapter 23 is what is known as the seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. Where Jesus is really coming down hard on their hypocrisy. And then the chapter ends with Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. Lamenting because he knows about the destruction and the day that is coming upon Jerusalem for their unbelief. And uh, it ends with that phrase you've heard. Do you hear me refer to a lot? Because I believe it's a phrase that will be important in the last days. Which is, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. So, with that backdrop, let's have a look. It's a shorter chapter today. Chapter 23, dealing with the seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. If you've ever wanted to know how God feels about hypocrisy, this couldn't make it more clear, especially when we're dealing with religious leaders and their hypocrisy. Let's have a look. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 23, King James Bible. Let's begin. Verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So please note, we have to do a short little rabbit hole that'll only take a second. It's just something I have to make you aware of. Obviously, what's being taught right here, according to verses 1, 2, and 3, is hypocrisy, warning against hypocrisy. He says, all therefore, whatever they bid you to do, like whatever the laws and things are that they're telling you to observe, do that, but not do what they actually do, what their works are, because they say to do one thing, but they do another. That's what's being taught here. However, I have to point this out, um, and you can do what you want with it, but at least you know that it exists. 
So if you haven't heard this before, because a lot of people might look at that and be like, wait, he's been talking about how the Pharisees have all these man-made rules and all these things and how, uh, so why would we go from that to all of a sudden Jesus saying, do what the Pharisees say, right? Some people struggle with that and understandably so. If you go to the Hallelujah Scriptures, here's what the Hallelujah Scriptures say, and then I'll explain why it's different. Then Yeshua spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on the seat of Moses. Therefore, whatever he says to you to guard, guard and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. Did you catch the difference? So in the King James, Jesus says, Beware of the scribes and the Pharisees. They sit on Moses' seat. By the way, that's an interesting phrase also. All, therefore, do what they, what they bid you to observe. They being the Pharisees. The difference is, is in the Hallelujah Scriptures, it says, the scribes and Pharisees sit on the seat of Moses. Therefore, whatever he says, meaning Moses, do and guard, but do not do according to their works, meaning the Pharisees. So, in one translation, Jesus is saying, whatever the Pharisees and scribes say, do and observe that, but don't do what they do. And in the other translation, the Holy Scriptures, he's referring to not the Pharisees and scribes, but Moses himself. Do what Moses says, but do not observe what the Pharisees and scribes say and do. The reason why these two translations are different is because the Holy Scriptures is going off of a Hebrew manuscript where it is different. Uh, the Hebrew manuscript uh, says, refers to Moses. Do what he says, guard what he says, and do not do and observe what the Pharisees say and do. The King James Bible and the manuscripts that it's using for its translations say what we just read. So that's the two differences. Either way, both translations are clear that you do not do what the Pharisees do. Because what the scribes and the Pharisees are doing is hypocrisy. So we're not going to spend any more time on that, but I wanted you to know the differences, why they're different. But it's up to you to settle in in your heart which one is actually correct. Alright, let's move forward. All therefore whatsoever they, they bid you to observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. Verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens, and grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their 
calasitaries and enlarged the borders of their garments. And loved the uppermost rooms at the feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. So please note, Jesus is saying, they come up with all these rules and they lay all these burdens on people. But they themselves don't even do it. The burdens, in fact, that they're creating with all their man-made rabbinic laws, they themselves don't even observe and can't observe. It's, it's, it's become ridiculous. They gotta wear fancy garments to be seen of men. They love all the special positions at gatherings and in the synagogues, and they just love to be called Rabbi, Rabbi. Verse 8. But be not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. And all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be you called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. So please note, when he says, don't allow yourself to be called father. He's not referring to like your earthly dad, right? What he's referring to is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they would allow themselves to be called rabbi. They would allow themselves to be called master. They would allow themselves to be called father. He's saying, don't refer to another man as these things. They're your brethren, they're not in a position higher than you in the eyes of God. Right? He says, you have one master, that is the Messiah. You have one father, that is God in heaven. Then he goes on, verse 11. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So this whole first 12 verses was dealing with hypocrisy and how he feels about it. And how those who lift themselves up will eventually be lowered. And those who humble themselves will be the ones who are exalted. And now we get to the seven woes of the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses, and for repentance make a long prayer, Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. He's starting to lay into them. You put up all these barriers. You make it impossible for people to have access to the kingdom of God. But you yourselves are not going in, he says. You devour widows' houses. And for repentance, make a long prayer. You'll charge 
for prayer. By the way, I'm not one of those people who beat up on the Catholic Church. But some of these things uh, the Catholic Church is unfortunately guilty of. The penance is an example. Uh, how about up here where Jesus says, call no man father? What do, we, what do they refer to the Catholic priest as? Uh, so some of these things have continued in some of the Christian sects of faith, namely Catholicism. Let's continue on. Verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woo. Jesus is calling the religious leaders of his day children of hell. He says you go out and you convert people to your system, not to the true faith, but to your religious system. And then those people become twice the sons of hell that you are. You're not creating followers of God. You're not bringing people to the kingdom of God. You're just creating worse versions of yourself. Woe to you, verse 16, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by gold in the temple, he is a debtor. What Jesus is accusing them of is exalting uh, money and things that are worthless over the temple of God. Verse 17, Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon the altar, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint, and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. So please know, Jesus is saying, look, you, you make a big deal out of the smaller things, and then the biggest things, the most important things of the law, that being judgment, mercy, and faith, you completely ignore those. But then you make a huge deal out of all these little things. And he's going to go on. He's like, you strain a gnat, <laughs> but let through a camel. Like, you're really making sure you're not doing all these little petty things. But then the big things you're completely ignoring and making a mess of. Continuing on, verse 24, you blind guides which strain a gnat and swallow a camel. 
Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like unto whitened sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones, and all uncleanliness. Even so ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye full of hypocrisies and iniquity. Let this be a warning to religious leaders. You can put on your show or whatever, and you can uh, present yourself as righteous and holy to the world, but God knows what you're doing in secret. God knows if you're actually trying to lead people to the kingdom of God or if it's just extortion. God does not take kindly to hypocrisy, especially when it's religious people lording themselves over others for financial gain, for position, for political gain. Woe unto you, verse 29, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. God attributes the death of all the prophets of Israel to the religious leaders. They are the ones that kill the prophets. It's just, he, he told them, he, which he's already told them this, right? He told them the parable of the vineyard owner and the vineyard owner sends his servants and they kill his servants and then eventually he sends his own son and thinks to himself, surely they will respect my own son. But then those who were given position to care for the vineyard say, look, it's the heir. Let's kill him. So they kill the son also. Why? Because all they care about is position and power. Verse 32. Fill you up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? By the way, what generation is he speaking to? The one he's speaking to. The reason why I harp on this so much is because so many what we have called end-time Bible teachers take these words that Jesus is specifically saying to that very generation, warning that very generation of the judgment that's coming upon them, and they make it about us. Even though the context couldn't be more clear. Verse 34, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogue and persecute them from city to city, 
that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachus, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Notice he doesn't say, the generation that sees these signs. He's talking to them. He says, all this judgment is coming upon you, the people I'm talking to. Which is why the next three verses to end our chapter is him lamenting. Because this is not what he wanted for Jerusalem. Listen to what he really wanted. Verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Baruch, Baruch Baba Shem Yehovah. And that is the end of our study. I want to read just a little paragraph from Matthew Henry's commentary on that last little tidbit there. Really, verses 34 to 39. Here's what he says. Our Lord declares the miseries the inhabitants of Jerusalem were about to bring upon themselves. But he does not notice the suffering he was to undergo. A hen gathers her chickens under her wings is an apt emblem of the Savior's tender love to those who trust in him. In his faithful care of them, he calls sinners to take refuge under his tender protection, keeps them safe, and nourishes them to eternal life. The present dispersion and unbelief of the Jews and their future conversion to Christ were here foretold. Jerusalem and her children had a large share of guilt, and their punishment has been signal. But ere long, deserved vengeance will fall on every church, which is Christian in name only. In the meantime, the Savior stands ready to receive all who come to him. There is nothing between sinners and eternal happiness but their proud and unbelieving unwillingness. I pray you've been blessed this morning. I pray this podcast is, is reaching you and piercing your hearts and causing you to draw closer to God. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. Please continue to pray. Please continue to pray for the podcast and for me and my family. I appreciate it so very much. Thank you to those who support the podcast. Couldn't do it without you. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.